0: And so this morning, and you saw on that first slide, our New Year's resolution for the church this year is making prayer a priority. Okay, it can no longer be just a second thought. It can't just be, I'm going to go to God when something's going bad. Prayer has to be a big part of our life. It has to be who we are and what we do. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is we're going to look at some of Jesus' prayers. We're going to look at the Old Testament, some of the prayers. Because if we look at the New Testament church in Acts, it says they were all together in one accord. They prayed together. They ate together. They followed God's word together, and they were focused on Jesus. And that's where we want to get to. But as we talk about prayer this morning, really, what is prayer? Or what should it be? Let me throw that out. How many of you people are in, have spouses or in relationships or have friends? Okay, y'all have, I I figured I threw the friends out there, somebody would have that. Okay, now, I want you to picture going to your spouse the same way most of you pray. It's normally a laundry list of things we want God to do for us, right? So if I go home and I tell Christy, Christy, I want you to fix this for me. I want you to do this for me. I want you to, can you fix this for me? I pray in Jesus' name, but can you do all this stuff for me? How long would our spouse continue to communicate with us? But that's the conversation we have a lot of times with God, ain't it? We always bring him our laundry list of things we want God to do. And then we get upset when he doesn't do it. As I read through the scriptures and I read through Jesus' prayers... his main focus of his, every prayer that you read in the, in the Bible that he talks about always started, and the easy, the model prayer that he taught his disciples was our Father who art in heaven, you're holy. Okay, that's why that's so important, because it's defining his relationship with the Father, because he says, you're my Father. And so when we start defining our relationships, as we just went over in the Not a Fan series, and we start having our conversations with God that way, we start to develop a relationship with God. And when the relationship is built, because Jesus didn't tear the veil so we could walk in and ask God to do things for us. Jesus tore the veil so we could walk in and have a relationship with the Father. And so when we have conversations with the Father, it should be a give and take. We should say something. This is where I struggle. Then I need to be quiet and listen. It's hard in our prayer times to do that, ain't it? Part of it is because we're afraid of what we're gonna hear. The other part we don't know if we're really hearing from God. And the other part is just weird. You sitting there silent. I was impressed this week to go back to what I used to do more often in my prayer time, of just telling God, I got nothing. What do you have for me today? And sit there and be quiet. Now, yes, it is is awkward. Take a journal. Take a piece of paper. Write down what starts going through your head. You will be amazed at what God tells you. Why? Because he wants that relationship with us. How many of you guys have ever seen the T-shirts, the bumper stickers, the signs that says, prayer changes things? And we've said it. And as I was studying this, I realized I had to clarify that a little bit more. Because as weird as this sounds, prayer doesn't change anything. God does. And say that again. Prayer doesn't change things. God changes things. Because if it was just about being excited about prayer, we could pray to anything. If that's all it was, was just being passionate about getting together and praying, we could pray to anything. It's God that makes the difference in our prayers. It's not us. And so when, when we talk about having a life of prayer, and we're talking about making prayer a priority, it's not about sitting down and having one more thing to check off your list, It's about understanding that we are going to the creator of the universe to share each other with. Because again, you go to your thought process of your spouses. I'm willing to bet you all wanted to meet them before you married them. So shouldn't we meet with God to develop that relationship? And so in our prayer times, in our times of worship in our times of sitting still, in times of talking to our kids, we need to always have that constant mindset of God. What's he doing? What's he want me to do? What's he want me to say? And like I said, I came in here this morning excited. Partially I had to move around because it was cold. And so that's always a good encourager to make you want to move a little bit during worship. But also, because Jesus was just really impressing on me that he has something new for us. I'm going to look up a verse here. It wasn't going to be on here. But it's in Habakkuk. Because you all know where that is. I'm not going to make you look it up. But it's Habakkuk 1.5. And it's. It was, it was another part of that verse. That I was looking at this year. That's saying. What could, God what do you want to see happen. This year for us. And it's. Here was the Lord's reply to, to Habakkuk as he was just talking to him. He's like, the law is powerless. Justice is going nowhere. The wicked surround the righteous, the perverse, and the judgment proceeds. Well, it sounds a lot like a cultural today, don't it? It sounds a lot like what's going on in our world today. There is no justice. Perverseness is running rampant in our country. You know, and wicked are just winning left and right. But here's, here's what got me excited. It said... Look, so when, he, when he's saying look, he's, he's not saying keep staring at the words. He's like, lift up your eyes. Remember when Jesus said the harvest is ready? We just need workers to go out. So when God's saying look, pick up your eyes. See what he wants you to look at. See what he's showing you. And he says, among the nations, and just watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told to you. So God's going to do something that's going to freak you out this year. He is going to change some things in our church. He's going to change some things in our culture. How many would agree that a majority of the problems in our culture is not natural, it's spiritual? How do we change the spiritual battles? On our knees in prayer. That's why making prayer a priority is so important this year. Because if we want to see change, we got to get before the one who changes things. Because they said in the Bible, you have not because you ask not. What do you want to see happen? Ask for it. Ask for it with the heart of saying, God, I need you to show up. So please help me with this. And he will. It doesn't matter what you're going through. And again, don't look for the answer. Don't look for the outcome. Look for the relationship. Because that's where it happens. It's not any outcome. Because the outcome is in God's hands. And when we believe the outcome is in God's hands, it takes the stress off of us to have to deal with it. And all of a sudden, my life becomes a lot easier to deal with because I don't have to do it now I have to work at it don't hear me wrong God's not saying sit on your butt and do nothing he's all given us talents and jobs and things to do i mean, even Paul talks about that he goes you can't say anything can't say we didn't earn our money because I was building tents for you while I was here I didn't take nothing from you that I didn't earn and so God's not just gonna give us stuff but I also don't believe God wants you to be poor. Because how is that a representation of his kingdom? Because that's a, that's a common misconception, I'm sorry to say. It is. If you're going to be Christian, you've got to be poor. You've got to give everything away. And, and do, yes, you should help the needy. Don't hear me wrong. But how can I represent a kingdom with no limits? when I place limits on myself and so God breaks that as we sit and talk to him as we sit and have conversations with him he says this is who you are I have created you you may have made mistakes but you're not a mistake somebody somebody need to hear that today and it may be online on our podcast that they need to hear it but just because you make a mistake doesn't mean you're a mistake I've talked about that before. If I step on a nail and a board, I don't turn into that nail. Now it's up to me to pull my foot off that nail. Does it hurt? Yeah, it does. And it heals eventually. And just because you've made mistakes doesn't mean it can't be healed. And so as we spend time with the Father and we start praying about these mistakes of our past, guess what he says? I'll forgive you. That's why Jesus came. How many of you have ever met that person, just because I don't want you to blame yourself right now, who you see somebody doing something wrong, and you judge them because you don't do that? We look at people, we think we're Christian, and we look at people and judge them for their choices and for what they do, and all of a sudden, we start thinking we're better than them, don't we? I'm trying to find it for sure where it's at. Oh, it's in Luke 18. We're going to go to a story real quick in Luke 18 that talk, that Jesus actually talked about that. And it starts in verse 9. Jesus is talking to people and he's talking about prayer with people and how we should pray. And he, he all of a sudden tells this parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And It says, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Again, I read that and got smacked upside my head. Because there are times I act that way. I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's a lot of things to talk about in the Bible that we don't want to admit to, but things we need to deal with. And this was one of them for me. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adult, unjust adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. How many of you guys ever prayed like that? I'm glad I don't act like that person. God, help them because they need you, is what God told me in my head. God, you need to work on them because they're doing some stuff. It's the same judgmental spirit as what that Pharisee just had. There's a difference between praying in love and praying in judgment. And when we're judging people in our prayers, telling them, God, that they need to change, we're telling God what he needs to do. And God's like, I got this. Just pray for them. Love them. And then he goes on to say, and the tax collector standing afar off, dude, wouldn't even come up to the altar. He would like on the other, it, he's on the other side of the screen right now. He wouldn't even enter in. Okay, it just says he was afar off. And he said, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So when we go to prayer, when we go to our conversation with God, it needs to start with your everything. Our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. That's what hollowed means. I wish I could have stuck three holies in the song I just sang, but it didn't fit with the way I played it. That's a song that's been on my heart for the last month that God and I have been talking about, because as I gazed and I got a telescope and I'm looking in the sky, I'm like, God, you're amazing. I can't believe you want a relationship with me. And the minute I start thinking, it's a good thing you have a relationship with me, is when I start acting more like that Pharisee. I've got a pastor in front of my name, so I'm special. Now nah, I'm just more dysfunctional. That's all it is. I went to school. That's how I got it. It had it has nothing to do with my walk with God. In case any of you guys are wondering. Nothing. Because God says, look at this dude who is religious. He's not justified. But too often, I think, as Christians, we pray that way for people. And so when I'm talking, again, about making that prayer a priority and having that conversation with God, it's about being real with who we are. Because he already knows who we are. We can fake it. And I think we try to, but God knows. And so why should I even try? And so it was, it was that understanding that we can come to God in prayer humbly coming before him because of who he is and what Jesus has done not because of anything we've accomplished in ourselves because everything Jesus accomplished was for us to have the relationship how many remember the Berlin Wall coming down why was that wall there? to keep people in, to separate families. This is what the enemy tries to do with us. And that's what that veil did with us and the Father. That's why Jesus had to tear that veil. In common terms today, if you think about it, it was breaking the Berlin Wall down so families could come back together. That's why it was so celebrated, because it instead of dividing a nation, united a nation. And when Jesus tore that veil, he united the children with the Father. And so we now have the right to walk boldly into his throne room, covered by the blood of Christ, and have a relationship with him. And so we pray, we talk to God. Now, yes, bring, bring your, your petitions to him. But it always starts with thanksgiving. It always starts with who God is and what he's done and what he can do. It doesn't start with me because it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then what? Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it doesn't even get to be about me in prayer. It's about Jesus and God in prayer. And so I start praying, okay, God, guess what? I know there's no sickness. I know there's no tears. I know there's no sorrow. I know there's no, none of this stuff because that's all brought into the world by sin in your kingdom. So let's pray that. You see sickness, you pray over it with the kingdom of heaven because that's where the healing comes because God changes things and so when we start becoming bold with our prayers and we start praying dangerous prayers to see God move we start having dangerous conversations kind of like for you guys that are bashful and didn't know how to ask your wife out the first time or any women that were too shy to say yes the first time that's how a lot of us come to God well God if it's your will It just says in the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the Father's will? And it's why I start out most prayers here Sunday morning saying, thank you, Jesus. Because I am. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done. I remember reading a prayer. I can't It was R.C. Sproul, one of those old dudes, um, prayed a prayer. Basically, Paul's prayer of what a wretched man am I that you would even think about me. David prayed that. What is, manful that my, what is man that you were even mindful of them? And God says, you're my child. And so when you come to your father in prayer, the last thing we need to stay in coming to prayer is being persistent. Just because you don't get your answer right away doesn't mean God doesn't want to answer it. And if you go back into Luke 18 and you start in verse 1, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Second Thessalonians, it says, pray always. That's the whole verse. You thought he wept was the shortest one. It says, pray always. And so he says, there is a certain city and a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, God, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest be her continual coming, she wearies me. Okay, Jesus taught that. That's why we can use it. Jesus taught to bring it back to God as many times as you need to until God just says, guess what? Fine. I think some of you guys have had that answer and haven't been happy with the outcomes. We pray for what we think we want, and God eventually gives it to us because we annoyed him enough with it. And all of a sudden, we ain't happy with the outcome. The second half of that verse where where the the Bible says, the Holy Spirit says, you have not because you ask not. The second part of that says and you don't get it because you asked for the wrong reasons and so when we come to the father we need to be led by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit knows the heart of God and he will pray perfection for you we think we know what we want but God knows what we need